Hello and welcome to Let Spirit Speak. I'm your host, Alan John Holmes. And I am here to walk with you and are both discovering the power of spirit and the healing of spirit. And through this podcast, we will explore different topics related to spirituality and connecting with the world around us. We are going to also cover topics related to spiritual experiences and more of the mystical experiences such as premonitions, connections with the spirit world and other metaphysical experiences. And this particular podcast is going to be one that is, uh, it's going to need some uh, prefacing for part of the, the discussion. There's we we tend to talk about spirit and spiritual experiences as you know being of a certain type and uplifting which they are and healing which of course they are and communications with our loved ones in the spirit world but there's also the aspect of 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 all of the the other types of experiences that that come as we become better instruments and more attuned and some are uh, to do with premonitions, and I know I made a, a podcast not uh, too long ago, I think it was in August, about premonitions, and I, I mentioned a few, and I know in that particular podcast I did say that I would be elaborating a bit on other particular premonitions, and certainly you will see that there is a relationship between the ones I had shared and the ones that, and what I'm discussing today. So yeah, it's 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 not all straightforward, and it's not all roses and unicorns and rainbows. And that's that's just the way it is. Uh, and if you're going to be an instrument for spirit, for the divine, for God, for that that divine intelligence, you have to be prepared to understand that you will be dealing with maybe information, premonitions that you receive that you don't like that doesn't fit with your narrative or view. And that's just the way it is. Because our narrative and views are so often constructed by what we are experiencing and how we think things should be and people should act. And that's just not the way it works. So let's dive into this and and see where this leads us. So I want to start back with the 1980s and I was married in 1984, so I'm going to start a little, a little bit before then, just to give you some context. Because many of our premonitions often will come through dream state, and many of us have had those types. They are not always the good ones, and they're not always ones that we understand in the moment which they happen. We might wake up from them with a very good feel about what they mean, not such a good feeling, but what they mean. And it, most often it turns out to be absolutely 100% correct. But with the ones that have the time lag, and I'm, I'm talking about ones that might be 20, 30, 40 years before the actual premonition comes about, you might see incremental steps leading towards it. And, you know, the, the memory of that premonition twigs in you and you think, oh, that, that's sort of something that might be related or it, it, it just brings it back to mind and then it dies away again because we we're all in life. Well, from the 80s into the 90s for me, I, was, I had different jobs. I also worked in restaurants, etc. And I'm saying all this because none of the jobs that I had and what I was doing 
was so consuming of my mind and the energy from myself that even though I wasn't in this work full time, I was having a lot of uh, experiences all the time. Lots of dreams, lots of premonitions, lots of voices, lots of um, manifestations of spirit around me. So, so that was pretty obvious for me. But in the early 80s, I started to have these very, very strange dreams at the time that I thought, and the reason, I, again, this will become clear why I'm going back this far when discussing today's events. I started to have a lot of dreams about the Islamic world, which I found very strange at the time because I had no connection to it uh, in 1982, 83, 84. Probably wasn't until about 80, really 86, 87, that the first hint of what I had seen was now coming to pass. But even then, it didn't seem as involved or as important. Certainly now, it does. And I, I have to say that part of the reason why I'm, I'm sharing these now is not to uh, make people be afraid or worried, but there has to be more discussion about what really is and isn't you know, the pathway that we see, that we hear about from our leaders about um, the Middle East, etc. Uh, about the, you know, how peaceful, you know, the, the actual religion is, etc. When historically, etc., the contrary is, is very much alive as well. But one of the very first dreams I, I had regarding Mom, the connection to the Islamic world, oddly enough, had nothing to do with the Middle East. It actually had to do with this vision I had of what I believe now were maybe people from Malaysia, although I'm not sure from where exactly, but they weren't Middle Eastern, they were more Asian. And all men, and they were on boats, sort of headed to the west coast of Canada. And on the boats, I saw them prostate, like, as they do um, in, in their prayer time in, in mosques. And I saw the boats arriving on the shores of Vancouver Island and Vancouver itself. Now, we obviously have some Muslims from that part of the world, although the majority of Muslims that are in the Vancouver area are certainly in Surrey and are certainly from the Middle East. Well, just after that dream, about six months later to a year later, I had a another dream where I was standing on a, it seemed like a podium uh, outdoors, and I was talking to a large group of people around me. And when I mean by podium, I wasn't up much higher than them. It was more like it was a you know it was ground level, but it was planks of wood that were you know it was it was it was nicely constructed, but not overly reaching in terms of being above people. Uh, so that's not how it it presented itself. And I remember very much trying to engage in conversation with the people around me. There were men and women, but 
Oddly enough, it was mostly women, and, and this will become interesting in a moment. And as we were discussing, the conversation was very much about the West and the Middle East, and I was trying to explain to them about North America and the system and uh, you know, the idea of certain freedoms, etc., etc. And it got rather heated. I can't remember exactly the wordings or what was said that brought it about, but suddenly I had stones being thrown at me from every direction. And they were bouncing off me. They actually weren't hurting me. They were bouncing off me. And finally, as I was trying to continue the conversation and, and, and keep the dialogue going, I realized that trying to talk in a calm, civil voice wasn't doing the job. So there was this one rock that was thrown that was very large, and I picked it up and I hurled it back into the crowd as hard as I could. And it actually hit one of the women. And all of a sudden, the crowd went quiet. And I continued to talk, and I refused to stop. And suddenly, the women in the crowd who had all been wearing black full-length burkas, faces covered the whole the whole nine yards, started to take started to take their burkas off. And underneath the burkas, I, I'm not going to say it was Western dress like you know jeans and things, but the dress that they were wearing, the clothes they were wearing, were much more um, what we would relate to, I suppose, for, from the Western world. They weren't, you know, completely covered up. I could see their faces. And they actually stopped and started to listen. And then as they listened, the men started to listen. I found it always interesting in that dream that it was the women first, but it was the women who were the most violent. And as I came out of the dream, I realized that I had to show the same force they were showing me in order to get them to listen to me. The force that they were trying to shut me up with was the same force that I, I, I used to make them listen. And that was really quite tell, you know, telling the tale, I think. I had other dreams where I was in, it was always in groups where I was trying to talk to groups of Islamic people and getting them to understand the West and, and trying to explain America to them and Canada and England, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes, it goes on. And that, that went on for, for several years. And then in our area, 1986-87, we had Expo in Vancouver. And when it came to the, to the end of Expo, uh, Surrey, where I lived, um, very quickly new developments sprung up everywhere because a new bridge had been built that linked us to the city quite conveniently, particularly at that time. So development went crazy all around us. And there was something about Canadians immigration, Canada's immigration law at the time, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but we had a flood of Middle Eastern and uh, people from Pakistan uh, pouring into Surrey. And suddenly there, there was a mosque beside me. And it just, it just continued to go 
from, from, from there. I know our population was 85,000 and certainly by the year 2000, it was about three or 400,000 and now it's pushing 600 or over 600,000 just in Surrey. That's a, just one area of, of the, what we call Metro Vancouver. And it's been quite, quite a challenge for, for everybody just, just, just trying to keep up. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about this more and more now because of what's going on in the world, and particularly in the Western world, and the way it has affected the Western world with the, the arrival of, of Islam and the, the many different groups that are practicing different types of I Islam. Um, as we know, you know, England's been going through a very difficult time, lots of places in Europe. Canada's been quiet, but it's here. You know, people always say, well, what are you talking about, Alan? It's, it's about the cells. And there has to be a reckoning with that. And uh, many of you, if you've listened to my last uh, podcast on premonitions, I talked about the one I had about 9-11. Now, we all know that there's, what is it, more under heaven and earth than we understand. What is that, Horatio? Sorry, I'm, I'm doing a very bad memory pull of that particular quote out of Shakespeare, but I think it makes the point. Because not everything is as it seems. So we know there are lots of governments involved in what's going around in the world. In fact, we know it's more than governments. We know it's the WEF. We know that it has a lot to do with corporations and and not just one. We say corporations and people right away, I think, think of the states right away because it is the, the, the kind of the corporate capital of the world or certainly the idea of, of the free market. But the levels of deceit and the levels of manipulation um, around the world to use groups of people, ideologies, etc., to create situations whereby the people in power can get what they want. I have no doubt that that's also part of it all. And that includes 9-11 and more. However, there is still the truth that certain ideologies are prone to more violence and control and intolerance than others. And that's the part that has to be recognized and understood. Douglas Murray, Gadsad, and others have written books about this, have lived through it, have spent years in it and amongst it. And when I hear them speak, I guess it gave me strength in a way to share these stories, these premonitions, because... It's truth. And many years ago, when I first received a lot of these, I would tell people, and people would get very nervous around me, mostly because they were Caucasian. And that's just, let's put that on the table. You know, if you're a white person talking about uh, receiving uh, premonitions that, you know, are not favorable to, to what appears to be a minority group, oh my gosh, you must be the worst soul on the planet. You are, you are, you should be dismissed and no, <laughs> yeah, I will never be dismissed. Good luck there. That's all I have to say to those, I'm sorry, agreeable morons that don't really understand what's going on. 
we have to look at everything with real truth, not with what we want to hear and feel, not the fact that we want to be agreeable because that makes us feel comfortable. It is in the disagreeable that we think. It is within the disagreeable that we learn and we grow. We grow more about ourselves and learn about ourselves and everyone else around us. And it's an absolute must, and it's a fatal flaw for everyone on the planet. And right now, particularly the Western countries, not to understand that concept. Don't be fooled. In 2000, I was in England, and I was my, it was the first time I went to Stansted. And anybody who's out there listening knows about Stansted. You'll know of what I'm referring. But... When I arrived in England, I, I was at a hotel because I was waiting one day before I went up to the, the college to start the course because I, you know, I was a day early to try and have at least one good sleep before I was to try and now with serious jet lag participate in seven days of, of development. And um, there was something I heard said I think on the radio or the TV when in, in the hotel or the, somewhere in the lobby, I think. And all of a sudden it hit, the impression hit me, this, the psychic impression hit me like it always does when it happens this way. And I knew that even then that many of the British girls were being abused by Pakistani males. Now, fast forward to the summer of 2017 and my wife and I are in England we are with a family member of hers and we are driving to uh, Norfolk I think it was and the radio was on and at the time they had BBC I don't know if it was radio one two three or four whichever one it was Take your pick. But the very first story that broke on the news that day while we were in a car at 4 o'clock in the afternoon or somewhere around then was the fact that the police and the British security officials had known for almost 20 years, get this, (laughs) that mostly British Caucasian girls had been had been taken and being taken for all those years by Pakistani men who were using them as sex slaves. I turned to my wife with a look of ha ha and also that's disgusting because I was very disgusted by it. But I had to wait almost 20 years to be vindicated because again when I told people of the impression I had I was told everything under the sun you're you're a bigot you're a racist you're an Islamophobe blah 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 and I I sat there and I realized the difference between myself and so many other people is I don't have a problem with hearing the truth and what I mean by that I don't have a problem hearing the truth about myself. Because I've done that to myself. One of the, the very first things when I started uh, my, my 
spiritual work or my spiritual development or my road to know myself, because we're all on that road, was to sit down with myself and break myself down into all my worst parts and see them all for what they were and my own motivations as to why I did things and didn't. And it, you can do that and you'll see it all and then you'll find yourself still reacting to your, <laughs> your uh, doing the very thing you didn't want to do or the way you wanted to do it or say it uh, because it just pops up again and then you feel really badly about yourself because you're thinking I'm failing. When actual, in fact, when, as you have those experiences and you see them and feel them within yourself, you, can, you start to curb them, you can start to change them. But it's not overnight. Right? These, are, these are deep habits with, with personality. And, of course, that can go back to uh, many lifetimes, not just one. But it, it was, things were becoming obvious to me that I was willing to hear the things that most other people would never want to hear. Now, I'm going to jump back a bit into our personal experiences, my wife and I living where we lived on 124th and 72nd in Surrey. From 19, well, we were married in 84. So I was living there in 1982. And my wife had actually grown up in that neighborhood. From 84, from the time we we were married, from 84 to 2003, I'll put, I'll, I'll use that time frame. So approximately 20 years. We saw and dealt with a very rapidly changing environment culturally um, and uh, demographically. And it was very difficult because we were dealing for the most part right next door to us with uh, very deep roots of, of Islam. So by the mid to late 80s, we were seeing women in burqas most of the time. Of course, neither one of us had grown up with that. We we were dealing with what was obviously very patriarchal um, society societal practices. Again, very difficult to deal with. We were dealing with the fact that many years in a row we would have um, a goat next door to us near the breaking of Ramadan, and of course the next day that goat would disappear. Uh, and at the time we were both vegetarians and, and deep animal uh, lovers, and that, that was incredibly difficult to, to deal with at that time. And of course, the, the worst part was, you know, we, we would make phone calls and uh, to the city about the, you know, the, the, the farm animal, the goat, and, and, you know, it's not supposed to be there. And they'd say to us, oh, no, you must be mistaken. They never came out to take a look at it, etc. One morning, they, um, they tried in May to have a call to prayer over loudspeakers, I kid you not. 72nd and 124th, look it up on Google, people. And <laughs> it was insane. It was 5 o'clock in the morning. And I went outside, and on our property line, looking across our property towards the mosque, which was now, I guess, mostly fully of men, full of men, were all these women standing, staring towards the mosque. Of course, I called the police, had the police come in, and uh, that it never happened again after that. And I can go on. I can go on with the men chasing the the goat down 124th street again for those of you who don't understand look this up on google google maps and 
it was it was insane, and it was four or five Islamic men from different Islamic groups chasing this goat that finally gave up after running through our backyard. Now, we did not have a fence at the time because when we, when we first moved there, you didn't need one. There was no one else around. You have to understand, when you look at Google Maps now and you see that area, imagine all that area except the White House to the north of the mosque, you'll see it, was all pastoral land. It was beautiful. We had a great life for about two or three years. Really quite fantastic. And so the goat, in exhaustion, just collapsed on in the middle of 124th Street. Cars backed up everywhere. The men trying to pull the goat off the road with a with a rope and and four or five of them, and it was just it was just awful. It was beyond awful. So I called about that and got told that that's not what was happening. Of course, from this city bylaw. Uh, person behind their desk who was female and about the age of 25. And I thought, oh yeah, great. Well, she's never going to do anything anyway because she'd be too terrified with the whole race card being pulled on her. So I have, and I have many, many more stories on that level, but from the spiritual and from the point of view of a medium and someone who has had all his life premonitions, many of you have heard of the other ones I've had, from my mother's death when I was eight years old to, to the, 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 the birth of our, our niece to the uh, death of, of several people in my family over, over many years, uh, and including my wife. But okay, so be that as it may, think of me as you will. The point of this is discussion must stay open. The people of the West must stand their ground. You must be clear about what our society is and is not. And that's very important. Every country and culture has blood on their hands. Everyone can talk about a, a group of people from the negative all you want because no one no group, no person on this planet is getting out of here without blood on their hands. If not literally, then figuratively. This is part of the human experience. And yes, we talk about love and forgiveness. I absolutely in all of this. But that does not mean that you're an imbecile. Don't be an imbecile. When something is wrong, say it. Call it for what it is. Not a narrative of speak that seems to be accepted now, but what it really is. You know, if I moved to a different part part of the world and I imposed myself as as a as an immigrant in ways that I have seen the imposition come into my world, I would expect the people around me to be so ticked off and to call me out on it. And absolutely, absolutely. I wouldn't even question it. I would expect it. And 
you know, then we go back to the conversation because I know where people want this to go. Well, not all Muslims are bad. Well, of course they're not. Not all Christians are bad. Not all Buddhists are good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the Democrats are no longer the Democrats of the 1960s, 70s, and 80s people. Well, the liberals in Canada most certainly aren't. The Republicans aren't the party that they once were. But for those of us who can truly see, and I mean truly see, we must speak up. And we must be resolute in what we're willing to accept and not accept in terms of behavior. And you have a right to. Most certainly you do. In the back of that, you have to keep the spiritual practices because you have to come from that place or you will only devolve into bitterness and anger. And then dialogue will stop because resentment will get to the point where there's no possible way for conversation to continue. But you must be resolute and you must be aware and you can't be blinded or sidetracked side by people who will tell you what you they think you want to hear to make you be mm, warmed up, shall we say, to believe everything they say. You must be in the back of your mind questioning and waiting and testing. Look how long I had to wait to get the answers for some of the premonitions I've had. 20, 30, 40 years sometimes. But it always comes right in the end. It's always, always true. And I know that this is that this podcast will not well may or may not be popular with a lot of people. I don't know and I really don't care. Because we're here for discussion of truth. And if anyone thinks that I'm ever going to hold back on what the spirit world has given me in terms of premonitions or messages, etc., then, okay, I did say to people, don't be an imbecile, but then you're an imbecile. Because <laughs> it's not going to happen. And anyone who's had similar experiences, whether it was in dream state or other, you know that the truth is being spoken. Now, just before I end, keep in mind that if this had been dreams about Christianity or Hinduism or Buddhism or, or Confucius or even Taoism, Confuciusism, sorry, or Taoism, with the same sort of message being brought to me, I'd be speaking out the same way. You have to keep in mind that my original hmm, relationship with Christianity wasn't just rocky, it was pretty, pretty bad. I had no love for it in any way, and I'm not saying I have love for it, I certainly have depth of understanding now, as I do with a lot of Islam. I've been reading several books about it. 
And unfortunately, those books are very clear of of the, you know, the the, the radicalization that is very easily um, brought about inside Islam. So that that has to be acknowledged. But that doesn't mean that we cannot elevate all of ourselves. Us here listening to this podcast, those around the world who are really seeking dialogue and understanding and a way to make the world work better and better. That absolutely is is part of what we must do. And we have to try. We can't just throw in the towel. If we do, the people who want to create all the havoc, create all the problems, will win. And they will be jumping and clicking their heels together because we've just made it easier for them. We need to take the moral and ethical best of our philosophies and spiritual thought and try to find those connections and then try to, with understanding and a bit of grace, remove the other. That's, that's our best our best go ahead. So thank you for listening today. If I would say please leave a comment if you like, please do. You can share, you can uh, send this out to people if you wish. Um, you can always try and get a hold of me through my email at alanjohnholmes.com. My webpage is www.alanjohnholmes.com. It's very out of date, so even some of the prices for readings, etc., are, are a bit off there. It's, they have gone up, but not not that much. They haven't doubled or anything. I think uh, I think on there the readings were sixty dollars or something. I think I've got that up to seventy five or something now. So that's fine. But thank you, and let us continue in the upward way, but let us not be naive. Let us be awake, aware, willing to listen, and willing to find ways to bring dialogue to the table. Thank you very much.